at least every week, often multiple times a week, there's some kind of buzzworthy trailer that comes out on YouTube and it goes semi-viral and a bunch of people talk about it, some weeks more so than others. Right. And so if that's something that people want to consume on their own, why not discuss it and decide on behalf of other people whether or not it's worth checking out. So do we decide, is this trailer a failure or is this teaser a pleaser? Teaser a pleaser. (laughs) The other name that could have been this podcast. This teaser, it also sounds weirdly sexual. There was another name that I thought could have worked for this podcast, but it was super sexual. And what was it? Coming soon. <laughs> coming so- coming attractions. I thought coming soon. And then I was like, oh, 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 no, that's a different category of podcast. You're right. It's also like and also coming attractions is the thing they used to put on the screen, like in preemptive going to see a movie. These really? are the coming attractions. But attraction is such a clunky word. Yeah, it's not natural whatsoever. <laughs> well, and to call it an attraction, like a movie's not an attraction. I mean, I guess it attracts people to the theater. It can be an attraction. Take but to describe something that's uh, anticipatory as attractive. Fair. It's more, like you said, anticipatory. <laughs> <laughs> anticipatory <Come>. attractions. <laughs> Coming anticipations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have a couple of movies that came out this week, a couple of trailers that, uh, and certainly one, which we'll get to, I think, at the end, which is kind of the be-all, end-all of trailers. So we figure this is a good time to start this little podcast, which we're not going to do uh, routinely. Just when we decide we want to go on microphone and talk about movies for a little bit, we're going to watch a couple of trailers and then, I guess, talk about them. Yeah, only when we see... Trailers that look appealing. Okay, so do you that are attractive, you might say. (laughs) And coming. And coming. You want to talk about this first one? Sure. You ready? Yes. Okay. This is an average American family. So my first instinct about the Adams Family trailer, and this is an animated Adams Family featuring uh, Oscar Isaac, and I think I saw Charlize Theron in there. Nick Kroll. Yeah, Nick Kroll as Uncle Fester. Allison Janney is in there too. Well, and it's obviously a good cast. And this is a classic thing that Hollywood does with animated movies now is stack the cast with A-list movie stars who are also beautiful if you look at their faces. Right, but it's animated. We hear their voice and that's it. And that means nothing to children. No, that's that's all for the adults going to see these movies. Which is fine. And obviously it's a proven success to to load your animated movies with stuff that appeals to the adults. For example, the it joke. Usually uh, these red balloons have a scary murderous clown attached to them. Mm -hmm. So that's said in the trailer. And kids aren't going to understand what that means, I don't think. I would hope they wouldn't. What were you going to say? No, 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 you go on. I just think the thing that's charming about the Addams Family in like the old TV incarnation and then the the new Addams Family, is that what it was called? Yeah, the one that was like an animation, right? No, 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 no. I think there was a comic strip at one point. There definitely was a cartoon, but no, there was like a live action TV show, which was black and white. And then there was a new Adams Family, which was on like TBS or something in the 90s. And there were movies with uh, Angelica Houston and Christopher Lloyd. I recall those ones. Yeah. So what was charming about those, even the big budget movies was that they had a camp to them. And so you couldn't necessarily say they were genuinely scary because they weren't. They were a joke. They were like... 
They were macabre, but in a jokey way. But they brought upon feelings of like Halloween. It was like you saw it and you're like, oh, this is like the embodiment of like October. And this is like, it was something like charming about it. And there was a true spookiness to it, but not a scariness. They looked like a spirit Halloween. Yeah, yeah. But I liked it. But this doesn't have a scariness at all. In fact, it looks, and it doesn't have a campiness at all. It looks too clean. It looks like it was made by whoever made the uh the minions movies and uh. just in general the whole thing kind of evokes a fart joke lowest common denominator bottom line which i guess is lucrative but it's a bummer so from the get-go on this trailer uh we open on what appears to be um like oh i guess like it opens on like little animated like stick figure people and it says this is a family and this is a family and what i appreciate about that is that they they're not just showing white people, which is appreciated, I think, in this day and age. They weren't just like, oh, the Adams family is white, so this is the white family. Well, except for that they looked like the stickers on the backs of minivans, which is the whitest thing in the world. True. Um, but then we go into a scene where we see, like, essentially a camera pan up close to the Adams family, which what I think that will be is a 3D version of this movie. It like looks like you're on a roller coaster. Okay. Um, and then to the point of the it, um, the it balloon, the call about the Stephen King it. Right. Um, is that does this movie exist in the universe of Stephen King? Well, I think Stephen King is a thing in this universe. Sure. The people who the the pizza delivery guy who will drive up to the Adams family mansion has heard of Stephen King before. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like Pennywise the clown doesn't exist in in the Adams family because the whole point of the Adams family is that they're the only weird ones. Everyone else is just living in the regular world and they to them are very normal, but they're the Adams family. Right. Ba -da -da. <laughs> that was and, really bad. <laughs> and Uncle Fester has giant nipples in it. I didn't notice that. He has the biggest nipples when he falls through the floor in the bathtub and he's oh, got a weird Oh, I didn't list. notice that. You're just looking at his tickled bitties? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you made an interesting observation about Wednesday, her hair braids. Yeah. So this is like only a very short and short moment i think near the end that i noticed it but the bottom of her braids are nooses i think that's very creative i think it's creative but again if you're gonna make this movie that clean looking and not spooky at all i think pe people are gonna have flack with that they're gonna be like no i don't know i think that certain things are grandfathered in because it's i, I don't know if previous iterations of wednesday adams have had nooses for hair braids she but had bows before Right, because she's supposed to look like a pretty little girl, except she's black and white. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. Or, or she's a corpse or whatever. I understand, but I think there are certain things you're going to get away with because this is an existing property. Maybe. Having said that, they're not going to do anything to make this creepy. Like there's no. even three-year-olds are going to be able to watch this movie. And I think that's problematic. I think that yeah. the Adams Family, while not inherently scary, intentionally or otherwise, was maybe creepy to the odd uh Child. soft soft little child like i was <laughs> it's a little too much for you the black and white i think so but i watched the new adams family which one was that i'm trying to like piece it together it was on it was on television so i don't know if there was anybody who ever turned out to be famous all right there was the granny and pugsley it was all of the the all usual the suspects lurch and lurch is in this movie apparently he plays piano i think he always does plays like the organ 
along with Thing, the hand. Where was Cousin It? Cousin It? I don't think we saw Cousin It. I don't think we saw Cousin It. And that was always a staple when I was watching it growing up. I just remember thinking, that looks hilarious. Right. And then I recall... Being a kid, and you know, like when you were in the shower and you would get out and like you brush your hair forward. I remember <laughs> my sister and I would brush our hair forward and say that we were cousin it. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I never had hair quite that long. No. Morticia. We didn't even get a whole lot of Morticia in there. Obviously, she's there, but it was more Gomez focused and kids focused. And Gomez is like, what, a foot tall in this? He's supposed to be shorter than Morticia. I know, but it's too far. <laughs> <laughs> so do we think this teaser is a pleaser? Uh, I think this teaser is a, eh. I think the trailer trailer's a failure. I think the trailer's a failure. I think I actually think this trailer represents everything that's wrong with with animated movies. Here's what this trailer reminds me of. It reminds me of the latest Grinch movie that came out. Bingo. And I hate it. Well, like there's there's just I don't know what it is about some of these um some of these places that come up with these movies and they think, oh, you know what we can do better? A movie that was already beloved. Right, right. Or a show that was already beloved. And it's as broad as possible and it really doesn't make any effort to capture the tone of the existing uh, properties. Right, except with The Grinch, it ended up being one of the the top-selling Christmas movies. Ever. It is the top-selling Christmas movie of all time. It beat Home Alone this year. And I loathe that. I like the original Grinch movie and the one with Jim Carrey are two excellent Grinch movies. And so for this one to be taking over the Addams Family reminds me a little bit too much of that. And I don't think it will be, but parents want to bring their kids to the movies and have a night off. And I appreciate that. But why can't they come up with something else? And it might be too early to make a judgment call about the Addams Family, but... Certainly in the case of The Grinch, the defense from the studio is always, well, the kids of today deserve an opportunity to be exposed to The Grinch. Certainly they could be exposed to previous iterations of The Grinch because the Boris Karloff version was already decades old when we were little kids and we still saw it. And we got the Jim Carrey version, which did, certainly it was probably controversial at the time for purists, but it captured something of the original. Absolutely. And the thing about the Boris, what's his name again? Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff? Yeah. You're a mean one. That's a that's a whole mouthful of a name. Um, the thing about his movie is that it's, what, 20 minutes long? Like, that's what a kid's movie should be. Sure. Not, like, these 2, 10, 2, 30 movies. Yeah. Like, kids can't sit through a movie that long. I kind of agree. Okay, a bit of a shift. Mm. This is a TV show coming to Netflix. Ooh. When I first got off the bus years ago, I had the strangest feeling that I'd come home. So this is the TV Netflix adaptation of Armistead Maupin's uh, novel series, Tales of the City, which was kind of just a celebration of ordinary life in San Francisco, specifically with young people. It seems like this show, and I don't know a lot about the novel series, but uh, the show is definitely going to be very LGBT friendly. Uh, We star uh, Laura Linney, who's already in the Netflix family via Ozark, and Ellen Page, who's already in the Netflix uh, family via Umbrella Academy. And a Nova Scotian. And she's from here. And uh, it looks like we're just going to get all of these little different snapshots of what it's like to live and love and struggle as a human in San Francisco. And I think it's just one of those things where San Francisco draws everybody together. So... 
I can't help but anytime I see Laura Linney, just think of Love Actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, she is just that character in everything she plays for me. And like, that's fine. It's too bad because that's not one of the better parts of Love Actually. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, darling, darling. Like, I, I don't know what it is about her voice, but I think that's what it is. I find her a little, well, at least in the first season of Ozark, and I haven't caught up on it, but I found her a little void of personality in Ozark and then I think maybe throughout the series you discover that that's kind of the point of the character is that they're supposed to be cold and soulless yeah but like I kind of get a little like lacking of soul from everything she does that's interesting because I think this show is supposed to be soul food I think it is based on so the trailer was like a heartwarming looking trailer it didn't really describe anything in particular it's expecting you know a thing or two about this classic series yeah which I don't right um, but if like from a first glance at it, it looks like something um, that is very LGBTQ friendly, which is nice. Um, I wasn't really getting any San Francisco from it, but I guess that's maybe all the hills you... and trolleys and the gayness didn't give you San Francisco vibes. I saw hills, I guess. I didn't see any trolleys. Okay. Well, it was all in there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and just in general, I think it celebrates outsiders and and oddballs and people who aren't falling in line with the mainstream and conventionality i think netflix is doing a really good job of doing that lately like putting out content that is very like feel good soul food like we watched unicorn store last week and it was like that's all that movie is it's like talking about how like sometimes you're weird and sometimes you don't know your place in the world and that's okay. Like here's a movie about how that's just normal for some people. I'm so glad you brought up Unicorn Store because I think the trailer for Unicorn Store, which I saw about a month ago, and I realize it came out at festivals like over a year ago, but I first saw the trailer when Netflix picked it up a month ago. And I think that was the moment I decided we should do this podcast because I saw this trailer and I texted you. I think I'm going to cry when we watch this movie. And sure enough, I did. A number of times. Lots of times. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Netflix is kind of owning up to the fact that you go to them for comfort. Yeah. In whatever way you might you might require comfort. Maybe it's through To All the Boys, or maybe it's through some action movie, or maybe it's through Queer Eye. Right. Which is, I think, the, their most, I think that's kind of their bread and butter right now is the absolutely. heartwarming stuff. It's like, it's very heartwarming. And it's, I think to your point of like people wanting comfort, it's <laughs> like, when you're watching Netflix, it's in the comfort of your own home. Maybe you're going through like a really rough patch in your life or maybe you had a really tough day and you just want to toss on your sweatpants and like have a drink, have some like crappy food that just feels good to eat and toss on a movie on Netflix. And I think that's, it's kind of what they're doing really well right now. Even more simply than that, Netflix is your friend. Netflix is your roommate and you can put it on in the background. You don't have to pay it your best attention. But if you're not going to get enveloped by a new movie that might make you cry or the new season of Queer Eye, you're going to put on The Office because and that is the number one most streamed thing on Netflix is The Office and then it's Friends because people are rewatching these things that bring them comfort. That's that's where the money is in Netflix. Definitely. The only thing... I will say is Netflix is your friend until it judges you. And it's like, are you still watching? And you're like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but who among us haven't had judgy friends from time to time? I mean, true. Okay, so Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City. Is that teaser a pleaser? I think the the teaser was a pleaser. I think so, too. I'm actually, I'm, I'm totally game. Yeah. And also... Ellen Page has had kind of an interesting pop cultural uh, presence in the last couple of months. Right around when she was promoting 
Umbrella Academy. She said a lot of, I don't want to say inflammatory stuff because a lot of what she said is true. Certainly everything she said on Colbert about the state of politics and the injustice against uh, marginalized communities, I, I completely agree with. And then she went after Chris Pratt, which again, what she said was true, but I found it to be a little bit, I couldn't figure out if she was grandstanding because she had a platform with a new show or if she had a platform for a new show or she had a new show that she wanted to promote via clickbait. You know right. what I mean? Maybe that's the cynical way of looking at it. Anyway, I'm kind of curious to see Ellen Page be an artist again. Me too. Like, I I think for a while we saw Ellen Page, like, get into big blockbuster hits. She was in... Um, X-Men and Inception. Yeah, like some big, big ones. And since then we saw her take a little bit of a back burner. So it's nice to see her coming back to, like, some more indie creative stuff. So while we're in Netflix... Now, a Netflix movie, definitely going to be comfort food, perhaps a little less sweet and soulful. Ooh. I want to sing a little ditty for my sweet, very short friend, Rebecca. This one's good. What's it called again? White wine. Ugh, freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is Netflix's Wine Country about a bunch of gal pals getting together for a wine tour weekend to celebrate one of their uh, 50th birthdays. And I can't wait it for this movie. Is every female member of a certain generation of the SNL family, including Paula Pell and Emily Spivey, who are kind of underappreciated writer people who right. haven't had a lot of in front of the camera time. But one of the funniest people in that trailer is Paula Pell, who, anyway, the blonde one. And yeah. um, Tina Fey is in there, Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch. I, we don't see her often enough because she is like, she's hilarity. She's specific. Yeah, I love her. Maya Rudolph and it's Amy Poehler's directorial debut. I love everything about this trailer. This teaser is beyond a pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> when like it opens up, it's like, it's all the people that you've like known and loved from SNL for years and like you want to see more of, but you don't get to see them that often anymore. Right. And then like layered in are like these wonderful like graphic animations that I appreciate. <laughs> like it's, it's just like a really lovely, awesome trailer. Well, and Maya Rudolph, and it's interesting that at the beginning of the trailer, she's going to do a goofy performance of the Bangles' Eternal Flame, which by the way, not a trace of irony, spectacular song. Absolutely. And I hate to relate this film to Bridesmaids, because that seems so easy. But it's a little like Bridesmaids. But we're kind of going for a similar comedic tone, right? It's just an older generation. And the equal to that in Bridesmaids, was, I mean, it's also my Rudolph, but the equal to that in Bridesmaids was them goofily singing the Wilson Phillips song. Yeah. And obviously there's something about that because, and it's true for guys as well. It certainly was with my group of guy friends. Uh, you get together, you get drunk, and you sing some embarrassing song that you all are proud to know all the words yeah. to. And that is a relatable premise. Absolutely. And I mean, apart from that, I wonder I wonder where this was filmed. Part of me thinks it might be Canada. Maybe. You mean in like Vancouver? Well, somewhere in the Okanagan. It looks like wine country, but it looks like, I don't know, you know how like it's cheaper for Americans to film in Canada? Part oh, of yeah. me wonders if this was filmed in, in British Columbia. Yeah, probably. They do that in British Columbia in particular because you can make British Columbia look like anywhere. Yeah. It's never snowy. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. It's interesting to me they got Tina Fey in there. And I guess just because she she wants to be part of the group. And I also think she is definitely friends with those people. But there is something hierarchically 
different about Tina Fey than the rest of these people. Do you know what I mean? She's on a different executive level than the rest of these women. I guess. I don't know. I think her and Amy Poehler are kind of like on the same level. I mean, they both like obviously had huge success with SNL. And then after SNL, they both had their own spinoffs of TV shows. So um, Tina Fey had 30 Rock for years, and I think it's still going. No, 30 Rock is long over, but she's executive produced a bunch of shows too, like Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. And I guess Amy's done that a little bit too. She had Parks and Rec, and now but she's But Tina's got stuff. a bunch of Emmys. Like, I definitely think Tina, on the grand scale, is a bigger star than Amy Poehler. And Amy Poehler is number two in this movie, for sure. And she's the director. I'm just saying, I think Tina Fey, even considering the lineup, is a get for this movie. Yeah. And I don't expect she's in it as much as the rest of them. Maybe not. Even still, I love that it's like a huge stacked female cast. I love that it looks hilarious. It just, it looks like one of the best movies coming out in 2020. No, it comes out really soon. Oh, amazing. That's the other nice thing about Netflix trailers is they put out a trailer and then it comes out in like two or three weeks. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want from movies. <laughs> when I see a trailer, I don't want to see it and be like, oh, that's coming out in a year. Great. Can't wait for it. You've done a girl's wine trip before. I have. It's fun, right? Yeah. Like it, and it kind of looks a lot like a girl's wine trip, even in Nova Scotia, like you all hop on a bus and you go and you have your little taster of wine and then you go to another winery and maybe you stay there for hours and have a few more drinks. Right. Like you never follow an itinerary. There's always somebody that has an itinerary and it never gets it never gets followed. But they're using this as a very easy way to tell a story about getting older and existentialism and, yeah. and the long lasting nature of friendship. Like Tina and Amy already made the movie Sisters Together, which has similar themes in it. Certainly about these like one-time party people who get back together and so they revert to the people they used to be, mm -hmm. which is outlandish and immature and therefore hilarious. I think this movie has more grounds for uh, being very charming and also being very sweet. Yeah, I think there's probably going to be feel-good moments in it. Um, near the end, you kind of start to see glimpses of it, but yeah. yeah, I can't wait for it. Okay, one more. I don't think you'll feel quite as strongly about this one. Maybe not. It doesn't look good, Richard. In fact, to be quite frank, it looks pretty bad. Okay. That's a hell of a greeting. The movie is The Professor starring Johnny Depp and already the eyebrows are raised. Is it just me or like, is there just like something lacking from Johnny Depp? This is definitely an attempt, whether it's a successful one or not, I guess we'll see. It's an attempt to be a Johnny Depp image and career repair kit. Yeah, it does. It's... Uh, it's a role we've never seen him in before. At least it's been very, very long since he played a guy who wasn't wearing like a bunch of white foundation. And he was, he was just playing like a human. Or now, playing a pirate. Well, ironically, though, he's playing the closest version we have to himself of any character. Yeah. Except he might be uh, a little less drunk in this movie than he is in real life. But he's basically playing like <laughs> a handsome, drunk Lothario who has all the wisdom in the world, which again, Johnny Depp doesn't have all the wisdom in the world, but he is trying to play a regular guy who's deeply flawed and yet you like him, which we've seen, I don't know how many times. The thing is though, I understand this is supposed to be like you said, a Johnny Depp repair kit. Yeah, it is. But, and if you're supposed to like him, the problem is I don't. No. Like his image is kind of like ruined and what adds, um, 
what what kind of like ruins it even more is like that last scene in this trailer is him I guess like let's let's explain the trailer. Okay. He finds out that he has some sort of terminal illness. He has six months to live, and then he decides to like up and go to his professor class that he's teaching and say, "Oh, we're gonna do things differently because I have cancer." Right. Like so, you're gonna uproot all these kids and the things you're teaching them for your benefit. Great. And then the last scene we see is him like saying, "Oh, I'm professor so and so," and like laying his fucking lips all over somebody. Right. Like. So that's just Johnny Depp and like what he did in real life. <laughs> well, minus maybe punching somebody. But yeah. but it seems like there's going to be a big uh, disjoint in the story between him and women, right? Like clearly he's got a daughter in this who kind of doesn't respect him. Right. And so he sleeps with lots of young women. Zoe Deutsch is in this thing, which I find a little bit weird because she's been like a big times up advocate. And when she made that movie with uh, with James Franco a couple of years ago, why him? She was pretty open about how she's like pretty grossed out that she had to kiss a guy who's probably an abuser, allegedly. So why so is she in this movie? Now she's in a Johnny Depp movie. Yeah, she doesn't need that. I find it very strange. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I kind of don't get this movie at all. And the rest is perfectly devoid of any kind of recognizability because nobody wants to work with him because he's poison. Yeah. On top of that, it kind of just looks like a super campy movie that has no character. or There's no feel good. It looks like it's just trying so hard. I think it's trying really. You're right. It, it seems to think it's very deep. It's also got a creepy Lolita-ness to it, too. Like, is he going to sleep with a 17-year-old in this movie? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm getting bad vibes from it. Trailers of failure, I think. Yeah. I can it's it's just sinking. Okay. Now we do have two more trailers we have to watch. We're gonna save the last one. The last one is gonna be an oldie. I think that's what we're gonna do on this podcast. We're always going to watch like a trailer for a movie. Maybe a movie we saw years ago, maybe a movie everybody's seen already, or maybe an oldie that for some reason you've never seen before. Mm. But a trailer of a classic movie, and we're gonna see if this trailer does a good job of teasing what this movie has inevitably become culturally. Right. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, we have to get to the most important trailer, certainly of the week, maybe of the month, maybe of the year. Yeah. And this is the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. We've passed on all we know. I don't even know where to begin with this. <laughs> this is one of the most pleasing, teasing things I've ever seen. It yeah. is so spectacular. And I also don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, spoil too much because I also have a Star Wars podcast. I'm going to have to delve into this even more in the coming days. Yeah. But just like initial reactions, there is so much hype around this movie. It is the last Skywalker Star Wars movie Ever. Ever. And it's been 42 years. Which is wild. So we're finalizing a story. Uh, I think um, the most emotional moments, seeing Lando. Yeah. That's so, he looks great, by the way. He does. Yeah. Like way better than I would expect. Billy I wonder, Williams. He's in his 80s. Also seeing Carrie Fisher. Oh, I know. Also, can I just say, um, there's a lot to unpack in this trailer. There's so much. But I love when we see Carrie Fisher 
um, hugging Ray. Ray. And like the second after it happens, it says, are always with us. Oh, yeah. Your heroes are always with you. And I was like, yes. <laughs> that is so strategic. They've yeah. done a beautiful job. They know it's going to be emotional. It's really a miracle that they're able to get a story out of Carrie Fisher for this movie. It's amazing what they're able to do and how they're able to place her face still into these new movies so that... Like they said, your heroes are always with you. Right. Like we've come so far in digitizing certain things that people don't have to be gone anymore. But she's not even digitized in this movie. They just have like, she's been gone for three years when this movie comes out. They just had enough leftover footage from other no. movies that they could like string it into a storyline. That's incredible. That's conclusive for Princess Leia. And it's of course incredibly ironic that of those three original cast members, they've killed off Harrison Ford's character and Mark Hamill's character, but Carrie Fisher's character is still alive. Which is very ironic. But they're able to handle it and deal with it. I, I love when uh, Ray is in the desert and then a TIE fighter comes at her and she like jumps over it. My God. And she feels it coming with the force. The Graflex lightsaber is back even though it was destroyed in episode nine. And I think that brings an interesting question to light. How much of this movie is going to retcon what we saw in episode eight, which is... I think a good movie, but a very controversial movie for Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people think that Ryan Johnson took too many liberties with the story. And they brought J.J. Abrams back. I think they backed up a money truck for J.J. Abrams. I'm sure they did. To fix some, some inconsistencies and some errors made. Maybe. I think uh, maybe that's true. I don't know for sure. You know way more about Star Wars than I do. Um Things that I did like, though, I know you mentioned when we were talking earlier about it that you didn't necessarily love the name of it. The Rise of Skywalker. But yeah. I think your problem with it is the fact that there's a name attached to it. A person's name is a little unconventional in a Star Wars title for the I main saga. But I kind of like it. I kind of... I think it speaks to what they're talking about, like verbally, what you hear in this trailer about um, your heroes. Like there's always a hero of every generation. Um, how we see in episode eight with Ray and Luke and how he gives her his lightsaber and like it's hers now. She knows how to use the force. And like all through this, I think what it's saying is that like Ray is the new hero of this generation of people watching Star Wars. Okay, but Ray's not a Skywalker as far as we know, which is my issue with it. So what I was really hoping is that the title would allude to hope. The original Star Wars movie is called A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Every single one of the existing eight saga Star Wars movies is about hope. Right. Every like every main character, we're, we're just hanging on to hope in Star Wars. That's the consistent theme through all Star Wars movies. So I would have liked Re to... Revenge of the Sith. No, it's the... We've run out of hope. That's Revenge of the Sith is about. There's no more hope. Uh, and then it ends in tragedy. Um and so I would have liked to see that come full circle. My problem is that if every generation has a hero, and in this case it's Rey, why do we name the movie after somebody else? Now, there is still a Skywalker, and his name is Kylo Ren, and he's the big bad guy. Right. Except in this trailer, and indefensibly the most, excuse me, the most exciting part of this trailer is the laugh of Senator Palpatine, mm -hmm. Emperor Palpatine. And uh, my brother Ross had kind of posited that probably Palpatine would come back to this because not Darth Vader, not Kylo Ren. Palpatine is the great evil of Star Wars. Yeah. And so I think it is going to complete Darth Vader's mission via Kylo Ren for him, a Skywalker, to defeat Palpatine once and for all. Oh, oh, that could be very interesting. Regardless, um, 
obviously this is just a teaser so we have a full trailer coming i guess in a couple of months yeah it'll be a long time it'll be a long time before we see it but there will be more but for very much a teaser it was certainly a pleaser such a pleaser and that shot of the death star on a beach oh yeah you just see like one little like like the cutout part of it yeah oh it's so cool it's so cool the one question i had was at one point i think it's kylo ren we see um like soldering something yeah and is it a new helmet that has like red on it right so he wore a helmet in the first movie in, in the force awakens and that was supposed to be him kind of uh taking on the role of Darth Vader, who he idolized, his his grandfather, Darth Vader. So he wore a helmet that he didn't need to wear yeah. respiratorily. And then in episode eight, he destroyed the helmet in a fit of rage. Yeah. And some said that was just so they could put Adam Driver's sexy face in the movie a little bit more. But I think ultimately Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams preferred his menace with the helmet on and by the way it's going to look even more menacing now that he's pieced it back together with some kind of glowing red adhesive but what does that look like to you i don't know darth maul well that's kind of true i mean darth maul was the colors of star wars evil which are red and black right and so this is that too but didn't we see darth maul at the end of episode eight no, we saw him at the end of Solo. Oh, you're right. He's still out I'm there, but wrong. he's he's dead in this particular timeline. Okay. In any case, oh my God, what a pleaser. So good. So because it's Star Wars week and it's Star Wars Celebration week and Star Wars trailers are the only thing we're talking about in the conversation of trailers, I thought the classic we would watch right now is the original 1976 <laughs> trailer from the original Star Wars movie. I've never seen. A New Hope. Somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. A billion years in the making, and it's coming to your galaxy this summer. <laughs> what a tagline. Oh, my God. Oh, and then the title card blows up. Oh, my God. This I've never seen this trailer before, and it's so funny. Isn't it remarkable that this trailer inspired the trailer we just watched before it, that they're the same? Yeah. There's so number one, they open by saying George Lucas. You might know him <laughs> from American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Which um, is true. They did. It's also lacking any of the like ba 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 ba. Like it's just like it sounds like a horror movie. I wonder a little bit about that because just in general, this doesn't look like it has the budget of Star Wars, which of course it doesn't because it was a nothing movie that people no. expected would fail. But they took footage from the movie that was made and was good. So why does this trailer make it look like it's for a way worse movie than Star Wars? I don't know. <laughs> and like the whole time we just see like Star Wars in the smallest font ever slowly, slowly getting bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's not in the same crawl that we're used to seeing it in. It's nope. just like, hey, I'm back here in space. And so many important characters are nothing in this trailer. Like there's little flashes of Han Solo or little flashes of Ben Kenobi with a lightsaber, little flashes of Darth Vader even. Yeah. But so much of it is just just a boy and a girl who are Luke and Leia and they imply that there's a romance which <laughs> there's I guess romance which I guess at the, at the time there was supposed to be there was supposed to be star-crossed lovers so to speak yeah there's something missing from this trailer oh it's brutal it's so funny though like in hindsight as to like how far Star Wars has come right it's incredible that that became so popular right so George Lucas who is pretty well understood now to be one of the great imaginations in movie history uh, is not a good filmmaker he's not a good writer he's not a good cinematographer 
He's just a good idea guy. He's not a good editor. He made this movie. He's never won an Academy Award, which is actually a ridiculous shame. Yeah, that's such a shame. His wife at the time saved Star Wars when she basically took it out of the trash and was like, I got to fix this. She's an editor and she won an Academy Award for editing the first Star Wars movie. She but he fixed didn't? It. No, he didn't. He's never won oh. one, which is crazy. But uh, so I'm thinking maybe this trailer was made before she fixed it into what it could potentially become. That's and then other possible. other directors and writers were able to evolve it into the thing we know it to be now. I kind of wish we had some of the, the music though. That's, that's a major piece that's missing for me. It's everything for Star Wars. It almost yeah. made me tear up when I watched the episode nine trailer earlier. Yeah. When the strings come in. Yeah. There's, there's something about, there's something about hearing that, come on like the screen with all the pieces that you love maybe it wasn't done yet for maybe not that's the only thing i can assume because it was ready in time for the movie was it not well of course but the other thing is the music is partial i mean the music is objectively good but it's partially so effective in trailers now because you know it it because it's iconic to star wars it's, so, it induces memory so exactly so these songs would not have been as effective in the original trailer because they're new songs Maybe, but it still would have seemed a little more big, yes. I think, with that music instead of like these haunting horror movie strings. Because it's a space opera and that's how it's being touted. So mm. why not get your orchestral tracks in there right. to pump it up? Yeah. The other thing that was weird to me is the scene where they're running away in the Death Star. Luke is rescuing Leia. And this is where they hint at the... At the romance, she gives him a she plants a big one on his lips in the movie. Awkwardly, though. Well, she she gives him a big old kiss, and then they swing across on like a Tarzan style uh, swinging device. And in this trailer, she misses. Yeah. So it's a different piece of footage. She misses his lips. She just like kisses him on the side. It's and, like real awkward. And that's <laughs> and that's what they put in the trailer. <laughs> They're like, uh, it's fine. They got a better take we for the, the movie. Shot. But they didn't. They got a better take for the movie and they put in the wrong one. Any chance that they could have edited it back in nineteen seventy six? Maybe. To like make it look like she actually got him instead of like his weird. It wasn't even like cheek. It was like somewhere close to the lips on the cheek. I think it was a different take. Maybe. Anyway, it it, it was bad. But it was not a good trailer. But it's fascinating to see because movie trailers in general have evolved now too. Like this was a two minute trailer, so it only would have played in the movie theaters. It didn't play on television. No, and there was no YouTube. Oh man, YouTube has changed the game when it comes to trailers. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah. Well, that's our show. That's our first in a world. We did it. I think it was pretty good. I think so, too. Okay, well, we'll be back uh, some other time when there are more trailers to discuss. Yeah.